Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hello, and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm excited to bring to you Michelle Reeves. She's the co-founder and CEO of The Accessory Junkie, a mom of two and stepmom to one. Michelle is currently based in Australia, juggling time zones and the daily needs of a modern global family while building her company. Welcome. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's great to chat with you today. Thanks for coming all the way from Australia. It's really exciting to have international guests. (laughs) Oh, of course. That, that, that feels so fancy. I will say it is the future. It's already, a, we're a day ahead over here. So I can tell you the, the future it looks bright, sunny, and uh, I think good things ahead. Amazing. So on that happy note, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, mom win of the week. I successfully have been hiding in zucchini and broccoli into chocolate cupcakes and brownies. <laughs> and the kids are loving it. And now they discovered it, they were actually okay with it. So I feel like it was a win to have full transparency and disclosure. I was going to ask if you disclosed it first, because I know there's like <laughs> that whole thing with you shouldn't hide veggies, but like you should tell them, but if they don't know. So I'm, I'm always wondering, well, I might need that recipe because I do need to force more veggies onto my kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, I will share. So give me a little bit of background about your family structure for the audience right now, just so they have a little context of where you're coming from. So, you know, how many kids, what's the relationship between you and your partner in terms of like work situation and just kind of family structure? Absolutely. So we, we are, I mean, we were U.S. based. My children were born in the U.S. in New York City, actually, which I love. Um, And then recently we moved and we're living in Portland, Oregon. I have two children, a six-year-old daughter, an eight-year-old son, and one incredible stepdaughter. She's about to turn 15 and she is in San Antonio, Texas. We realized last year, like everyone, especially mothers, that school at home was challenging, work from home was challenging, and to have those collide. We also had the additional challenge where we thought we were so smart. We had our, our daughter was in French immersion school. Our son was in Spanish immersion school. And all of a sudden, as their new homeschool teacher, I feel like I was failing in pretty much all three languages. So <laughs> we realized we need, needed to do something to course correct an impossible situation. And I think like all moms, we just get creative with our solutions. And we, we have to you know, think on the fly and create rapid change. And so I was really fortunate to have this extra card up my sleeve as an Australian citizen to be able to suggest to my husband. Why don't Who is we go not an Australian citizen, correct? <laughs> he is an American no. citizen. And your kids exactly. too. Do they have dual citizenship? 
Uh, yes. Thankfully, okay. a few years prior, I got them dual citizenship. Unfortunately, we did not get dual citizenship for my stepdaughter. She did not qualify. So for our two children, we did. And I suggested, why don't we try Australia for a few months? And uh, at first, I, th- I think he thought I was crazy. About five days later, he realized that it was probably a good idea. So we put the plans in motion. Uh, we came down here, my children and I first, while he was waiting for a visa. And it was actually a really unique experience. There's, there was no COVID here at the time. Everything had been managed, I think, fairly well. And we had this re-entry into a whole new world, a whole new schedule. And he came and joined us five months later, which now tells you it was not just a short-term thing. Uh, we're now eight months into this new life as a global family. Um, we wake up gosh, like two, three o'clock in the morning to try to keep US hours. And it's, it's a whole new world for us, truly. So do you wake your kids up to, or is this just for you? Is this just your husband and your work schedule that you wake up that early? I mean, what does your typical day look like since you are a US-based technically company and your husband was working for a US-based company? How did you do that? Like, weren't you exhausted by 6 p.m. Australian time? Like, didn't you just want to go to bed, but you had your kids? I think we were exhausted before. So so the transition here just felt similar, but more efficient. You know, back in the US, we were realizing we were having to get up at you know three o'clock in the morning to, to get work in because at six, seven, the kids would wake up and it was time to homeschool. So here we're doing the same thing, but it, you know, six or seven, we can help our kids get ready for school and then they go to school and then we just can, you know, continue our day here. One of the greatest benefits we've seen in having this new structure is that by 2 p.m. our time here, the U.S. is in bed. Everyone's asleep. The workday is done. And, you know, there's almost no way we could work even if we tried. There's no one on email. There's no Zoom call to be had. So by 2 p.m. here, we're both free and able to pick our kids up from school. We both go to swimming. We both go to soccer and tennis and all their activities. And now our children are seeing a side of us they've never seen before. We're not attached to our phones. We don't have to put them on pause while we go and have a Zoom call. We can be so fully present. And we've been talking about when we do go back to the US, how can we maintain that same structure? You know, this schedule is working so well. The kids are growing so beautifully. I think for us, this is the the path forward. Our workday is going to be 3 a.m., to midday for as long as we can make that happen. Do you think that you will then go back to the US? And how was that transition for your children coming from all day? I mean, they probably they visited Australia, I think you mentioned before, but they've never really lived in another country. And so how was that transition for them just kind of picking them up thinking they were going on like a two month trip to hi, you're living here, going to school here, make new friends, join new sports. Here's new your, your new life. You know, how did that go? I'm so impressed by how they reacted. They were so resilient. They were up for the challenge. They really transitioned quite seamlessly. The irony today, though, is while my son still sounds very American, my six-year-old daughter is wholly Australian. <laughs> She's entirely you know, taken on the accent. She corrects us now when we say something that is American. You know, I'll ask her to go put something in the trash yes, mommy, I'll go put your rubbish in the bin. <laughs> so, so she's very happy uh, to adopt the local culture and idiosyncrasies here. 
honestly, I think it's, it's a real testament to how resilient, you know, we all know our kids can be and they were really put to the test. They've made new friends, you know, even how they're taught at school is different, you know, going from everything in miles and inches. They're now doing math and homework in centimeters and kilos and they've just really picked it up so well. I think the biggest challenge, honestly, was more me. I, I was born here but I haven't lived really much of my adult life here. So here I am now, a mom, two kids, asking my own father to teach me how to drive on this side of the road and how do I put gas in the car. Like Everything is so nuanced in how different it is here that I had to really relearn a lot of things. I didn't even think about that, that you drive on the other side. When I went to New Zealand, I remember being like, where's the windshield wipers? Where's the left turn, right turn signal? Because they're opposite and everything. And so that is interesting as an adult, there's so much nuance in it. Are there any sort of things that you guys have adopted there that you really like, whether it is things that your kids are doing now that you want to bring back to the US when you do come back besides your unique work schedule and the fact that you can disconnect? Are there anything things that you're like, wow, like they don't do that the same in the US. I really want to bring that back when we come. Yes. Nature is just so easy to access here. And I thought it was too in our lives back in the US, but I realize now we hadn't really brought our family into nature as much as I would like to. And here, you know, they're they're doing surf lifesaving at the beach on the weekends. I mean, our the, the house that we're in right now has possums and kookaburras and cockatoos constantly flying and coming into the balconies. And they have this really beautiful curiosity for animals that I had never seen you know, seen them have before. So I think really keeping that connection to nature and animals alive will be a big part of you know going back to the US for us. And I was wondering about how you adapted. So you were saying, you know, the nuance of things, but also having a mom tribe is really important and having that support system. And while you got to move to a place where you had the support system of your family for maybe childcare and things like that, you lost the support system you had back in, you know, the US of either entrepreneurs, of other mommy friends, of, you know, your New York friends, your all of that stuff. How was it with that transition and what did you do to proactively make yourself feel like, you know, adapt better? That is a great question because it does take a while to pull your tribe together as just a a woman, but then also as a mom. And that has taken some time. I had my best friend when I was two. She was pretty much my only friend in coming back here. You know, so she and I have stayed close and I, I give her a lot of credit. She really helps to soften the re-entry into Australia and open a lot of doors to connect to people and meet other moms. But I think it's something that just takes time. You know, you can't force connections. You can't shortcut them to really build meaningful relationships. You have to build experiences. So I've been really active in just planning different events, activities to spend time with people as much as possible. So whether it's having a tie-dye party at our house or going hiking and doing walks, just really trying to immerse in activities with people so that we can get to know each other beyond just the school time pickup and kind of polite chit chat that you end up having. I think that applies anyway, when you are back in the US, regardless, if you join a new school, you start, you know, kindergarten with new moms, you start middle school, you start high school, whatever that is, is just how, you know, you get out there and trying to find your new mom tribe. 
Well, I want to kind of switch over to your work side. Tell me a little about what your pre-mom life looked like. Oh, pre-mom. Well, that was fun. Remember when we did things like wash our hair on a regular basis Um, and blow dry it? Amazing. So um, before becoming a mom, I've always been a business builder. I had 20 years in sports, uh, retail and entertainment, uh, working with global brands. I'm obsessed with consumer behavior. And I'd started my first company, uh, a California wine company called David Family, about 12 years ago. And then uh, more recently started the company that I spend most of my time on today, which is the Accessory Junkie. Remember you telling me you started a wine company and I was like, excuse me, because before that you were doing something totally different and then you go into wines. And so you've been very entrepreneurial. What kind of sparked all of that and what kind of pushed you forward to keep building new companies? So I love to learn and I'm, I very much believe in that saying, like, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're absolutely in the wrong room. So I was living in San Francisco. I had a great career. I was working at IMG. Uh, We were doing incredible events, you know, FIFA World Cup, the Olympics. But the food and wine culture of California was so interesting. And I personally was interested. So I went to the oldest wine store and wine company in San Francisco. And I said, look, can I please be an intern and work for free? In exchange, will you let me ask the dumb questions just so I can develop my palate and learn about wine? And they said, yes. So for two years on the weekends or after work, I would go and work with them. And I developed my palate and I realized I loved Pinot Noir and I just couldn't wait another second to build something of my own in that space. And I love to reinvent things. So I created the world's first touch trademark for a leather label on wine. And we created our first vintage of a small production premium Pinot from California. And out there in the world, it went and it sold out very quickly. So I did another vintage and another vintage and, and it kept growing. And then that, that eventually became you know, my, my full-time focus. I left IMG and became full-time focused on David Family Wines. And then that bug really like kind of took hold for what else could I build or create? And so I helped some other women in business. Um, I became involved in a few other tech companies as advisors or as an investor and then started the Accessory Junkie uh, a few years ago. And I think that this company really marries my passion for travel, the globe, and retail consumer behavior all in, in one you know, exciting new business. And during this journey, you also had two kids. When along the journey did you have your kids? And what kept you going as an entrepreneur instead of taking a step back? Most entrepreneurs, you know, or they become moms and, you know, either they take a step back or they're like, oh, I'll just dabble here and there. But you kind of went full force and you started another company. Kind of tell us a little bit about that, because I know there's moms out there who like have these aspirations and who really want to, but just don't know exactly how. Great. Uh, There's two things. The first, blissful ignorance. I thought that I could just do it. Of course, we are women I was programmed to believe that, of course, we are strong and it's in my DNA. Of of course, I can take on one more thing. Of course, I can do that. And of course, it will succeed. So you need that kind of blissful mindset to even begin because then you don't see the workload for what it truly is. You see it as a fun little challenge that I'm just going to conquer today and tomorrow and the next day. And then you're happy to catch every curveball that's thrown at you 
as you climb that mountain. I'd say the second thing that you have to have is the invisible army. You can't do this alone. And when I say that, it's more about all the the infrastructure of emotional support that you need, because as any entrepreneur will tell you, those highs and lows really can be quite extreme. And so to have your invisible army, whether it's your parents, your siblings, close friends, or other peers in the space, to really help propel you along in the, the mind game, that is everything. It's such, such a huge value to have that kind of mentorship with you, supporting you, who are your mentors right now? Like what sort of, I guess, personal board of directors do you keep around you? Absolutely. Some peers in the industry, um, meeting women across all facets of my career. I, I feel like a thief. I'll definitely channel different parts of their confidence or gumption or energy as different things take shape in my, in my world. You know, if I need to go and present something, you know, there's one friend and one peer that comes to mind that I'll just channel her in a strength and confidence in that moment. So I think this collection over time of really strong women from different industries has served me really well. I think the other piece of it is we were selected as one of 10 companies last year to go through Techstars. And that really, I think, catapulted the growth of that network because they just immersed you in a a network full of brilliant people in tech, finance, marketing, leadership, executive development. And so in a very short period of time, that incubator really helped solidify, I think, the next wave of mentors in my life. So I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, offline, we talked about that you were in Techstars. And my first response to that was, excuse me, you you left? Like, how did you do Techstars? Like, in my head, I'm like, oh, they're a bunch of 20-year-old, you know, tech bros who kind of go through that or, you know, they're young. But you had two kids and you did Techstars in another state. I mean, what did that conversation look like? When you even applied, did you talk to your husband? And once you got accepted, how did that conversation go about you putting yourself first? Because I think a lot of us, I would love to do that, you know, but then I have that fear like, oh, but I can't leave my kids or, oh no, like maybe I'll just wait till they're older. Or, you know, we have all of these like limiting beliefs in our head. So how did, how did that conversation go in your head? And then with the people that mattered? So it's absolutely the invisible army coming in to full force for something like this. When we applied, I shared that with my parents and obviously my husband, you know, this is what's happening and their reactions immediately were fantastic. Let's do everything we can to make this happen for you. When we were accepted, I felt like they were part of my personal executive team, just coming together and putting together a plan. All right, so you need to get an apartment in Boulder and we need to figure out a flight schedule so that you can be there when you need to be there and then have some times in the weekend that you can come back and see the family. And it was a really collective, united effort to look at that four month window. And we just planned it out to like to the finest detail. I would go down Monday, Sunday nights and you know through Thursday spend all my time in Boulder and then Friday mid-morning fly back to Portland and see the kids for the weekend and I noticed a couple of great things my kids learned more from me being away and coming back than if I was just working at home for those five days you know they were really excited to hear about what happened why why had I gone somewhere and what what had I done so I would definitely implore any mom to look at 
the life lessons you can share with your children purely just by your absence, you know, that they're going to have curiosity in what they can't see that you're doing. I also flip kind of the, the conversation around sometimes about dads who are working versus stay-at-home moms. Children love their dad just as much, you know, the absence of their time in the office or away for work doesn't change their relationship. That will apply to, to moms too. And if you have the opportunity to do something like this, I, I promise you, it will only make things stronger and richer for your children and the relationship that you have with them. And I think you said something too offline was that you were the most efficient person when you were doing yes. this and you were like, because you had no, you, I, moms are just really that type of person. Like moms know how to get stuff done. Absolutely. So that was a dream. I felt like tech stars for most of our cohort. And you're right. They're mostly in their twenties, single and able to, you know, move their team to Costa Rica on a whim if they decide to something that I just couldn't do. I think that their schedules felt really intense. Whereas as a mom working 24 seven, squeezing in every micro minute to extract as much strategic value as possible. And you're always on call to know that I had a schedule and that I would have time to actually sleep and that I could go back to this studio apartment and it would be clean the way that I left it and that the snacks in the fridge were exactly as I had prepared them. I had never slept better. I didn't, I mean, I, I worked out every day. I was so efficient with my time. I felt like this was a business retreat and it was a glorious experience. And I would see everybody else slamming down coffee and feeling frantic. And I would just glide through the office. Good morning, everyone. And it's 6.45 in the morning. I'm like, I've worked out for an hour. I've washed my hair and I've blow dried it. I put on makeup today. It's, it's already off to a great start. I feel so productive. So it was mom training is the best training to manage and lead a company for sure. Hands down. Are there any rituals and stuff that you implemented during that time that you decided to keep moving for that you're like, wow, this really works. And so now that are in your everyday life. Yes. Dance. It sounds so crazy, but I had this studio apartment to myself and in the morning, often it was snowing. So if I couldn't go out for a run or a walk, I would just put on um, Alexa crank on some hip hop or the top 50 and I would dance around the apartment and that became this vigorous exercise activity and I've, I've definitely taken that into life as we hit COVID um, because textiles we were interrupted in the middle with COVID and I needed to work out at home during quarantine dance was a big part of that and then when I came to Australia, we also had to quarantine. So dancing in the, the government hotel room for two weeks became something I did with the kids. And now here, even still today, that I find is the healthiest way that I can maintain balance, where in between Zoom calls, I can grab that 10-minute dance moment. I put on my AirPods, I go outside. Dance it out. And I'm sure <laughs> the neighbors think I'm crazy. And I just like pump out a bunch of dance, 1990, 1980s aerobics moves, and then come back to Zoom and I have a nice little fresh glow. <laughs> I love it. You're going to have to just start a TikTok just for like, you know, mom dances there. <laughs> oh, okay. I've actually named a bunch of moves. There's the opportunity pickup. There's the obstacle throwaway. <laughs> <laughs> the founder high fives. I've got all, all the corny moves. Just you wait. I love it. Or you should just teach dance for entrepreneurs. <laughs> there we go. That works. That next venture. 
that that's actually how I connected early on with the with the young 20-year-olds at Techstars. Um, I asked anybody if they wanted to take a hip hop class and almost the whole cohort was like, yes, let's do hip hop together. So in our second week, we all choreographed a hip hop dance uh, with a local professional down there. And it's one of my most favorite memories. And I think it's the one activity that really helped start the connection of all the teams together. That's amazing. Now, do you bring that same dance stuff to the Accessory Junkie also team? Do you like go on Zoom and you're like, all right, we're going to have a little dance dance morning break? Well, I definitely have my shoulder dances. Oh, oh. Um, and everyone's, everyone's like, Michelle, just calm down. Sometimes we'll do um, the one minute each. So if we're a team of six people, everyone gets one minute to tell the whole team what to do. So it could be a minute of jumping around, push-ups, dancing. So we try to incorporate a little physical activity from time to time. Nice. Well, being the CEO of now a global company, how is that going in terms of running a team? So you moved from US to Australia. So now you're running this team from abroad. How is that going? How have you structured things? What are any tips for people who, you know, have remote workers or are thinking of building out a team, especially post COVID where we're all not necessarily wanting to run back to an office, you know, any tips and stuff and advice on like what worked? Sure. First of all, it can be done and it can be done with so many unique benefits. We are six people and we are based in uh, Washington, D.C., Boulder, Colorado, Santa Barbara, Portland and Australia. So we're managing a lot of time zones. We just hired somebody in Sydney. We're about to hire people in Mexico City and London. So we are we will be fully global very soon. And I know a lot of your products are global, too. So how does the logistics of all of that work? I think it's the the new way forward. I feel very grateful that we're building this company while the the world reprogrammed itself. You know, we get to see what the new rules look like in the new world. And the idea that we can now hire top talent, not just top talent in one market, it means our business can grow so much faster. Um, You know, I think the unique difference there would be, you know, be very accommodating to anyone who's building out a global team be very accommodating and be very upfront about what the schedule looks like for everyone. Understand now that people can work at different hours and their output can be greater. And so really syncing up on, you know, when do you like to work versus somebody else and just making sure that everyone is heard so that you can find those intersections quite easily. And I think making sure that you have one meeting a week that is just social. There's no agenda other than we pass the torch for somebody else to kind of host it and they can put out a theme, a question or a challenge. And it's purely 30 minutes of social banter, get to know you. Um, we've had people you know, present ideas of if we could be anywhere in the world right now, where should we go? And you've got six minutes to go research a location and then come back and present and then we'll vote. And it just gives people different opportunities then to show different sides of their personality. That's amazing. And then you run a company that's product-based. And so I know like a service-based business, a lot of people are like, oh, we can work remotely and stuff. But your company is primarily product. How is that working being all in different locations, logistics and So the Accessory Junkie is curating fashion accessories from designers all over the world. We work with over 400 designers from 26 countries. And these are actually mostly women and people of color, just like us, working from home or their home studio. 
And the pieces they're making are beautiful. They're in small quantities. They're not mass producing and then selling them to all the big department stores. They love working with us because we can then really curate and take the time and care with their product as they would like. We create a central hub through our Portland headquarters from which all the product uh, ships to and our team there manages from that point the the, uh, curation, the inspection, and then the customer fulfillment. So as long as you have one central place that everything can go through, it's then dispersed and shipped out from there. How do you feel not being there in person to touch and see the jewelry? I mean, personally, I miss it. I love trying it all on and having fun with it that way. But I'm so grateful, again, that because we're able to hire the best talent, it's very, I'm almost very hands-off in that way because I know they've got it. I know with full expectation how they work, what they're doing, and likewise, they know that for me as well. And it allows them to run at full speed without being micromanaged and without any inefficiency in time and checking. They're, they're free to, to do their jobs. So what's next on the horizon for the Accessory Junkie? Lots of exciting things. We have some collaborations coming up very soon. In fact, just in a few days. You know, I think we've got so much of this incredible content from around the world and we haven't been able to share the stories of the designers or showcase the diversity of all the people that we work with. And in the next few weeks, that will all come out. We'll be doing collaborations um, with trans, with men, with incredible women, and just showing that accessories are a tool to amplify who you are. It's not just a pretty fashion piece. It can really be this incredible statement about your own style or a sense of expression. And as we come out of COVID and out of our living rooms and you know temporarily take off those sweatpants and pajamas, we can put on bright, vibrant colors and, and shapes that reflect a a happier new wave that we're all about to get into. Yeah. And then do you involve your kids in the business at all now that, you know, the business is at home? I mean, I think they're involved because they're always walking past on Zoom. And look, we've definitely had a couple of kid tantrums in the background. You know, that's, I'm sure, not uncommon for many women at home working on Zoom. But they're, they hear me speak about it. And in fact, I hear my, my six-year-old daughter will be in the shower and I'll hear her almost like she's rehearsing things that I've said. And she'll say things like, I'm Camilla Reeves, and I am the CEO of The Accessory Junkie. Today, we're going to be looking at fall. (laughs) That's so cute. They're just things you would never pick up, you know, if I was in an office. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I wanted to wrap it up by asking my final question, which is what is your superpower that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better at business or life? Oh, absolutely. I can unstuck the dishwasher, negotiate a contract, help my son with his math homework and reply to email at the same time. And you couldn't do that before? (laughs) Definitely wasn't able to do that before. Did you teach any of the tech stars people how to do that? (laughs) I feel like we did because we did have to do kitchen duty and the other teams would get really upset during their kitchen duty day. Like it was a big obstacle. And I was like, guys, come on, come, come, come be schooled by the moms. We're going to show you what to do right now. So, That's right. Yeah. Well, where can we find you online? Uh, we are at the accessory junkie.com. 
and we have so many wonderful pieces coming up and I will share my insider code so you can all find something that you love. Just use Michelle20, Michelle20, um, and you can uh, purchase something that you find and love from around the world with 20% discount. Wow. Thank you. I had no idea you were going to share that. So thank you. I'll put that in the show notes. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for joining all the way from Australia. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. It was great to talk with you, Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time. Thank you.